look to God's Word on this wonderful resurrection morning. Couldn't ask for a greater day in Charleston, South Carolina, could you, than this Sunday morning. If you have your Bibles, you can open it up to Mark's Gospel. I'm going to be reading several familiar verses out of Mark's Gospel, chapter 16. Whenever we come to holidays like Easter weekend, it could be a Christmas holiday as well, anyone that is attached to some religious significance, I always ask the Lord for a fresh word. I mentioned this last week. I mean, I've been pastoring since I was 24 years old. I've been doing it for 26 years now. So you can do the math. Yes, I'm that old. And uh, you preach 26 Easter services or 26 Palm Sundays or 26 Christmas Sundays or whatever it may be. After a while, you only have so many passages you can work with. And and, and so it takes a little inspiration uh, from the Lord in order to give something that people uh, will lock into and listen to. So the familiarity of the story doesn't steal from them the power that the Lord would like to communicate in their life. And and so one of my prayers for this morning has been for all of us as we've gathered today is to break familiarity off Easter Sunday. We we know the story, don't we, here in America? We know Jesus came, He lived His life, He died for our sins, He spent three days and three nights in the grave, and on the first day of the week He arose, and we know the story. And uh, most everyone has been at some level, at least we know in the South, I mean in the South, everybody, I mean, uh, you know, everybody's heard the story in the Bible Belt. And so my prayer has been, I want to break some of the familiarity off of this so we can begin to get fresh ears. And so so I'm believing that God will give me an anointing to do that, but I'm praying that God will anoint your hearing and, and that he will anoint your understanding. You know, one of the minor prophets one time said that there was a a famine of hearing the word of God in the land. And I've heard many messages preached off of those passages from that minor prophet. And most of the time it talked about how people weren't teaching the scripture. But that's not what the Bible said. The Bible said the famine wasn't that there wasn't enough preaching, that the famine wasn't hearing. And, And I want you to hear today because when you hear, it can birth faith. And out of faith... It can literally transform and change your life. And so I want to talk to you this morning. I've entitled it, Underestimating Jesus. Underestimating Jesus. Mark's Gospel 16. I believe it'll be on the screen as well. Let me read. Now, when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they said among themselves, who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. 
And they went out quickly and fled from the tomb, for they trembled and were amazed. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid, underestimating Jesus. You know, people love a comeback story. We are inspired when we hear of a person who was counted out and they had no chance of winning, no chance of survival. We are inspired and lifted when we hear or see a story of someone who faced impossible odds and all of a sudden they make a comeback and they get the victory. I can think of numerous movies through the years. Some of them are my favorite movies and all of them revolve around the theme of a comeback story. I mean, how many of you remember growing up seeing first run the Rocky films? I mean, how many remember Rocky first run? I mean, I think there were five Rockies. Six of them? Well, he came back every time. <laughs> See, that's how come they kept making him. He kept coming back and come, and it, and it was inspiring. More comebacks. I remember Rudy. If you've never seen Rudy, Wanting to go to Notre Dame, only playing about two plays in his whole college career, and it brought a grown man to tears because it was a comeback story. I literally watched on television the 1980 Olympic Winter Games when the U.S. hockey team wasn't given a snowball's chance in Siberia of winning the gold medal, and yet they won it. It was a great story told to this day. I could tell you about the karate kid. Come on, how many remember Ralph Macchio getting the hang beat out of him all through the film till finally at the end he takes on the tough guy and wins. And then there's the one facing the Giants, remember? The Christian school football team facing the Giants. Hollywood and sports have made a lot of money off of moments of comebacks. It's interesting, I think, even in America, we have the capacity, whether it's right or wrong, to admire even those who have grossly fallen. I mean, we have lists of people who have fallen and, and maybe at the time of their fall have the greatest disdain for them initially. But there's something that inspires us when we see a comeback. I mean, we can kind of respect the sports figure or the celebrity, or even the fallen preacher or minister that fills the tabloids and we're disgusted with them. But when they make a comeback, when there's a sense of redemption, I mean, we're just drawn to a story like that. And I think that may be why Easter still gets such honor in our culture. Despite the fact that I could prove to you this morning that here in America we are becoming ever the more secular, ever the more distant, from spiritual things. And yet when it comes to Easter, I'm still amazed at how many people still give Good Friday off to their employees. I'm still amazed at how everything shuts down and sort of stops in some sort of civil honor that is given to this weekend. I think it's because we like the story of Jesus in the Gospels and how it ends. It's a great comeback story. But truth is, most comeback stories are based on another assumption. And that is, to begin with, we underestimate the person that we're watching. That's exactly what this first century crowd did with Jesus. Everybody underestimated him all through his life and all through the Gospels. I suspect some of that was due to his inauspicious entrance into the world. 
In fact, if you were a king, the wise men, the magi, when they showed up to find Jesus, they showed up in Jerusalem. After all, that's where kings show up. But they were told that he was in Bethlehem and no king would go to Bethlehem. And so he had an inauspicious arrival. And if you looked at his parents, they were relatively ordinary, middle-class people. His dad was just starting a construction business. His mom, a young woman from an ordinary family. It's true, they, they both went to church in their day. They loved God. They, they lived life fairly normally. So, so there was no real reason to expect much out of this. It would have been easy to have underestimated this whole story. And then as he begins to live his life, we find everyone underestimating him. I mean, he he enters into the ministry and he comes back to his hometown. He's done a few miracles here and there. And when he gets to his hometown, the buzz in town is not, is this the Messiah? But instead they say to each other, is this not the carpenter's son? All they could see was that he was Joseph's boy. And they underestimated him. When he walks through the public early in his ministry, he makes the announcement, as you'll recall, in Luke chapter 4, that the Spirit of the Lord was upon him to preach good news and to do miracles. And when he got done, he closed the book and he walked outside the temple and they were ready to run him off a cliff. How many of you know the crowd that day underestimated him? Even when he comes down to the end and they had seen everything that he had done in his life, The miracles, the healings, even the raising of the dead. When they were given an option as to who they wanted to live, the crowd yelled out, Barabbas, give us Barabbas, crucify him. How many of you know they underestimated Jesus? Of course, there were the religious leaders. You would have thought the spiritual bunch would have caught on quick. You know they really never got a hold of who he was. All through The three years that we have record of his earthly walk, they criticized him. They manipulated scenarios and scenes. They plotted, they schemed for his demise. They kept finding ways to stop him and even get rid of him. Even the spiritual bunch supposedly underestimated him. The political leaders, everyone from Herod to Pilate, and we could even lump in the Roman army itself, as they signed their death warrants, as they assigned guards to the tomb, as they did everything they knew to just make sure everything was in proper order, that they could quell the unrest, that they could somehow bring uh, peace back into the region through the sword. How many of you know they underestimated Jesus? And then sadly, even His disciples. They doubted, they betrayed They denied, they argued with him regularly. Even his disciples underestimated him. Until now we finally come down to Easter Sunday morning, Resurrection Sunday morning, and we can see the depth of their underestimation of Jesus. We find none of the disciples coming to complete the burial ritual of their master. None of the None of the men show up, not even out of loyalty or protocol or respect. They had heard earlier the comeback promises that he had spoken to them all through the last three years. But but once again, when reality seemed to hit, they were underestimating Jesus. And even the faithful women, as gracious as they were by coming, could only ask among themselves as they were walking that early Sunday morning, 
Who will roll away the stone from the door for us? Their, their vision was simply on how do we get this big stone out of the way? They'd forgotten everything that he'd said, everything that he had taught, everything that he had promised. Could we agree this morning? Everyone had definitely underestimated our Jesus. As I've often said, I've used this portion of scripture before. As they were walking to the, the tomb, they were coming to finish the burial instead of coming to expect a miracle. I wonder how many of us live life sort of that way. We're always walking to finish a burial instead of walking to expect a miracle. And all of this made me think again of this Easter morning and, and whether we've underestimated our Jesus here in 2010. I think if we were honest, whether it was in the culture or in the church, we might have to say that we have. I honestly believe that we have underestimated Jesus. You say, well, pastor... How have we underestimated Jesus today? Well, I think in much the same way they did then. If you'll just let me touch on it for just a moment here. I think we've underestimated Jesus, number one, because we have forgotten his promises. Just like the early disciples, we have forgotten that just because crosses show up in our lives, just because things look like they've been they've been taking a turn for the worst, just because government leaders say that they've washed their hands and it settles it does not mean that the story's over. Pilate may have washed his hands, but can I tell you, God was not wringing his hands. We've forgotten his promises. We've forgotten what he has told us about life and about eternity and about the power of God. And by doing these things, we have underestimated our Jesus. We have given more authority to cable news networks than we have to the gospel. We have underestimated Jesus and we have overestimated our political leaders. We have allowed the voices of reason to talk us out of the truth of God's word. Don't you underestimate Jesus when you hear voices clamoring at you that tell you it's terminal cancer and there's no hope. Don't you underestimate Jesus. Don't you underestimate Jesus if you get the word in the mail that they're coming to foreclose on your house or that you're losing your job, or that somehow the numbers aren't working, or to scale back your dream, or it can't happen. Let me tell you, the Word says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The Bible says that I am healed, that I am whole, that I am victorious. You can underestimate Him, but I will not underestimate my Jesus. This is what the Easter story tells us. The disciples had forgotten the promise. I will destroy this temple, he said, and I will raise it up in three days. They'd lost those words. Because they had lost those words, they had underestimated him. I want to ask you, what words have you lost? Have you lost his healing word? Have you lost his word about a second chance? Have you lost his word about, about a better future? Have you lost his word about a hope that yet remains. What, what have you forgotten? Because the instant you forget His promises is the moment you underestimate Him. And we've underestimated Him because of forgotten promises. Number two, we've underestimated Him because we have yielded to our fears. We have yielded to our fears. I will admit that there is a lot that could solicit our fears today, just like there was then. You know, fear is when your confidence is placed 
in what the world or the enemy says. That's fear. Fear is all about confidence. Where is your confidence? And, and if you're plagued by fear, it's because your confidence is placed in that which is transitory. It is that which is temporal. And, and anytime you put your, your trust or your confidence in what you see around you in the natural, it will solicit your fears. And the church has yielded to that in so many ways. We yield to it when we, when we fear because we've been hearing the word recession, recession, recession. We, we, we fear that if, if we're generous, somehow we'll lose something. We fear when we're paralyzed into stepping into something by faith. We, we're waiting for the approval of men. We're waiting for the masses to validate us. We want the poll numbers to show us it will work. And we've yielded to our fears and we have underestimated the power of one who can bring us into victory. I'm here to tell you, you plus Jesus equals it's okay. Are you following me? I mean, as long as you get a hold of the fact that as long as you have the audience of one pleased, you'll be all right. We have underestimated the power of one. These disciples had yielded to their fears and they had underestimated the power of their Lord. And I believe we've even done that in our current day. Number three, we've underestimated Jesus because we've forsaken his ways. We have forsaken his ways. You know, the disciples, it's just amazing to me how the disciples could walk with such an amazing, powerful individual like Jesus Christ. And when it all comes to crunch time, they lose it all. <laughs> I mean, they walk with him. They see what he does. Think about this. They, 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 they see all of the miracles. It, it, we couldn't even take all of this morning to talk about all the miracles that our Lord performed in the three years that he was here on earth. The healing miracles, the the raising of the dead, the, the feeding of crowds, the healing of the masses. I mean, we could go through all of this and it would literally put you on overload. And they walked with him and they saw this. Not only did they see these things, but they listened to him teach. They rubbed shoulders with him. They hung around each other. Their off hours were together. They slept in the same places. I mean, I mean, they were with Jesus 24-7, and yet when crunch time came, they had forgotten and forsaken His ways and what He had taught them. That's why I always smile when people oftentimes will say, Oh, if only Jesus would just show up for me, it would make such a difference. No, it wouldn't. There were guys that Jesus showed up for three years solid. And when the crowd turned and when the army showed up and when Jesus just wanted to spend some time in prayer, they couldn't, they couldn't pray. They, they, they couldn't just be loyal. They, they, they couldn't show up. They, they couldn't even do just simple protocol. They had forsaken his ways. They couldn't connect the dots and how it applied when the heat was turned on. The reason they were not at the open tomb and experiencing a miracle is because despite walking with Jesus, they had never really heard. Listen, I know that they had, they'd heard the stuff, but they never had it sink into their system. They never implemented it. And today I know all over America, really all over the world, today will be the single greatest attendance day all year in the church all over the world because we come to celebrate the resurrection. And that's great. But the power and the promise of Jesus only works when we're implementing His ways. 
And when you don't implement his ways, you're underestimating him. People have said that the Bible is irrelevant. Really? It's irrelevant? Show me another book that has lasted 2,000 years at the top of the bestseller list. It's not irrelevant. It is the most relevant thing in the world. We have forsaken his ways and underestimated him. And finally, number four, we have underestimated him because we've walked away from faith. We have walked away from faith. That first Easter morning, the disciples did not bother to even get up early. There was no confidence. There was no faith. There was no sense of remembrance that a comeback was prophesied. Even the ladies, I've already mentioned to you, they were focused on this big rock. They'd walked away from this this place of faith. Can I just share this with you? Faith preaches well, and we all love saying amen to an inspirational story. But faith isn't faith until you find yourself walking to a gravesite. Are you following me? You can say you have faith, but until the moment you're facing a scenario where everything is falling apart around you, where everything is, is, is seemingly scattered and you've lost all hope, that's where faith finds its most significant place. When you find yourself in a desperate situation and people are writing you off and there seems to be no hope, the tide of popular opinion has turned against you and all you have is God's opinion to stand on, that's when you begin to move in faith. You see, faith, I believe, really isn't for the good times. Faith is for the desperate times. It's when you find out whether you have underestimated your Lord or not. When, when you get the raise and you get the job and the door opens up and everybody thinks you're the greatest thing since sliced beef and the, and the bank accounts are full and everything's going right in your life, it is easy to stand up in the house of God and give your testimony and say, God is good. Well, isn't he good? Sure he's good. But I'll tell you when the rubber hits the road. It's when they just fired you and your accounts are dry and you don't know where you're getting your next money to pay the bill that's coming. And that's, I'm telling you, that's when you find out just whether or not you've underestimated Jesus or not. I'm telling you, they were walking to a tomb and they were ready to put the seal on it all, saying it was a good run, it was great while it lasted, but I guess it's all over now. And the whole time, Jesus is trying to get into their system the thought that it's not over, it's just the beginning. It's not the end of the book, it's just the end of one chapter. It is time to begin to arise, church, in the midst of all of the junk that is going on in our culture and not look at us and say we're going down the drain, but it's our hour to arise. It's the greatest hour we've ever known. God's not burying us, He's raising us. See? Yes, He is. Yes, He is. We have walked away from the foundation of faith in our current church world. We are trendy, but we're not miraculous. We sound relevant, but are we moving stones away from doors? We organize like the best Fortune 500 companies, and we preach out of modern leadership books and self-help manuals, But we're underestimating our Jesus. I don't want to get you self-help. I want to get you divine help. Self-help will get you just where self gets you. But divine help will get you where God wants you to be. And every time we underestimate our Lord, 
We find out in powerful ways that you can't count him out. I mean, this is the ultimate comeback story. That when everybody thought it was done, it was over, Jesus says, surprise, I'm back. I'm back. And about the time people would want to count you out and say it's all over for you and it can't be any different. And there's no way it can ever change. And this is just the way it's going to be. Let me tell you, here's the good news about Easter. Is that you can open your heart to the one who had the greatest comeback. And he'll fill your life up. And he'll cause you to be a comeback kid. Every time we underestimate him. We'll find out you can't count him out. I, I, I remember, I, I'm just kind of a history buff and a philosophy buff. Maybe some of you have heard these stories. I remember the story of the French philosopher and atheist Voltaire. In fact, Voltaire once said, and he gave some devastating critiques concerning Christianity and, and, and the scripture. But I remember Voltaire once said that a hundred years after he died, the only place you would find a Bible is in a dusty corner of a museum, unopened, because it would be irrelevant and nobody would want any part of it. I find it interesting that his very home is now a publishing company for the dissemination of what else? Bibles. How many of you know Voltaire underestimated our Jesus? Some of you know by way of your history that in the early days of America, we were a struggling nation as we were working through all the issues of breaking away from England. Few would help us because England was the superpower of that era. Many people said there was no way as a struggling, fledgling new nation that we could defeat this superpower. And truth of the matter is, if you'll study history, George Washington lost more wars than he won. And people were writing us off. But nobody realized at that time the renewals and the revivals and the awakenings that were going through the land. They had underestimated the power of our Jesus in our nation at that time because the motto of our armies, yes, the American armies, I know the American Civil Liberty Union would turn over right now if this was, if this was released, but our motto was, we have no king but Jesus. That was the motto of the armies of America. And how many of you know that England underestimated the power of our Jesus because we're not speaking the king's English. We got a little drawl to what we talk about today. Come on now. The builders of the Titanic, the greatest ship in its era, of its time, built it supposedly with the, the newest technology and steel and things that were available at that time in history and out of arrogance they wrote on the main beam that went through the ship they wrote they inscrawled it on the ship of the titanic these words not even the power of god can sink her how many of you know they underestimated our jesus don't ever underestimate jesus i could tell you story after story after story he made the ultimate comeback which means you and i if we receive him are getting ready for a comeback as well. Guys, are you ready to turn on the video? Douse the lights. I want you to watch for just a minute the video over my head.
He's the one who made us, and it is He who made us and not we ourselves. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows His handiwork. No means of measure can define His limitless love, and no far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of His shoreless supply. I'm telling you today, you can trust Him. No barrier can hinder him from pouring out his blessing. He's enduringly strong and he's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast and he's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful and he's impartially merciful. He's the greatest phenomenon that's ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's the sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of salvation. I'm telling you, church, you can trust him. He does not have to call for help and you can't confuse Him. He doesn't need you and He doesn't need me. He stands alone in the solitude of Himself. He's august and He's unique and He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's supreme. He's preeminent. He's the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the supreme problem of higher criticism. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the cardinal necessity of spiritual religion. He's the miracle of the age. He's the superlative of everything good that you can call Him. I'm trying to tell you something. You can trust Him. He can satisfy all your needs and He can do it simultaneously. He supplies strength for the weak and He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and He sees. He guards and He guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the leper. He forgives the sinner. He discharges the debtor. He delivers the captive. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He regards the aged. He rewards the diligent. He beautifies the meek. I'm trying to tell you, church. You can trust Him. He's the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring to wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway to glory. You can trust Him. He's the master of the mighty. He's the captain of the conquerors. He's the head of the heroes. He's the leader of the legislature. He's the overseer of the overcomers. He's the governor of the governors. He's the prince of princes. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. You can trust him. His office is manifold. His promise is sure. His life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. I wish I could describe Him to you. He's indescribable because He's incomprehensible. He's irresistible because He's invincible. You can't get Him in your hands. You can't get him off your mind. You can't outlive him and you can't live without him. Pilate couldn't stand him when he found out. He couldn't stop him and Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. The witnesses couldn't get their testimonies to agree and Herod couldn't kill him and death couldn't handle him and thank God the grave couldn't hold him. There was nobody before him. There'll be nobody after him. He has no predecessor. He has no successor. You can't impeach him. And he's not going to resign. You can trust him. You can trust him. You can trust him. You can trust him. He's the Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the end. The first and the last. He's all things. He's the giver of life. He's the joy out of every sorrow. He's the light out of every darkness. 
He's the Prince of Peace and peace that passes all understanding. He's the giver of every good and perfect gift. You can trust Him. You can trust Him. You can trust Him. You can trust Him. Amen. Stand to your feet and let's give Him a, a hand. We do it. Just everybody on your feet. Let's give the Lord a great big hand today. Don't you underestimate Him. Don't you underestimate Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to pray just for a moment. Father, I ask you right now that you would cause faith to arise in this place and in this house. Lord, I ask you right now that in the simple few moments we took this morning, just to remind the people of your greatness, Lord, I ask that right now faith would arise and that it would reach out to you and that there would be a divine connection like there's never been before. Lord, I pray right now on this Easter Sunday morning as we celebrate open tombs, as we celebrate death's defeat, as we celebrate immortality, all the things that we have heard maybe a thousand times, Lord, would you open up the heavens and would you cause it to become reality now in people's hearts? That as they're walking in discouragement and depressions with no hope, that Lord, right now, that they would hear you whisper and say, don't underestimate me. That, Lord, as they're leaving this place this morning and they're going to walk tomorrow morning into difficult circumstances and challenges and heartaches and heartbreaks, that, Lord, they would hear you whisper in their ear again, don't underestimate me. That, Lord, when they say it could never be any different, and I've tried turning over a new leaf and I've I've tried pulling myself up by my own bootstraps and I've taken a run at these things before and I've just, I've, I've failed and I, I just can't see it working anymore. Lord, would you speak into their ears this morning and say to them, don't underestimate me. Don't underestimate me. Jesus can do what no one else can do. And in these last moments, with your head bowed and every eye closed. And I'm asking that you don't move around unless you, it's an emergency. Would you just hang with me? And let's just respect the Lord and respect this day by just, by just being still for just a moment and responding to this question. Have you underestimated Jesus? Have you looked at your life and said to yourself, you know, I know it's not what it could be and I know it's not what it should be. Maybe you're someone here today and you've never opened up your heart to Jesus. You've never considered it. You've known the story, but there's never really been a time you can point back to that you would say, there, it was there that I made a decision that I wanted Jesus to come in and take over my life and cause something good to come out of, well, really all the rubble that I've got right now. I want you to know here in just a moment, this, this moment's for you. It's for you. Because all the preaching in the world, America has tons of preaching. You can turn to any channel 
on a television set and hear preaching. You could go to any church all across our region today and you'll hear a sermon on the resurrection and those things are good and they are needful. But the most important thing of all is you must meet the resurrected Jesus. That's the most important thing. If you don't meet Him, another sermon will do you no good. If you don't respond to Him, just another rendition of the tale will do you no good. He's here this morning. Some of you right now are needing to accept Him in your heart. It may be your very first time. Jesus simply asks that you do it out in front of everybody because He wants to come and change your life in front of everybody. So right now He's giving you courage because I'm going to open up the altar here in just a minute and He's giving you courage right now to say, you know what, I'm going to step out and I'm going to pray with, with Pastor before I go here today. And I want to make sure that I've not underestimated Him and that I've given Him everything that He's due so He can be everything that He is in me. Some of you right now are needing to get your life right. Come on now, you know you're not living life right. I'm not going to debate doctrine with you this morning. Maybe you walked in an aisle back when you were seven, eight, nine years old and you shook the pastor's hand and you signed a card and, and maybe that was a meaningful moment for you but truth of the matter is I'm about reality and reality is that if you're not where you need to be and you know what that means sin has alienated you from a sense of God's presence and a sense of God's help it, it, it's produced doubt in you if you get it in the light and under the blood God could restore you. You could be a comeback story. You could be a comeback story. And I'll tell you, some are here today and it's just that you're discouraged and you've allowed depression and maybe the lies of the enemy and the voices of the crowd around you to pull you back into a state of powerlessness and anemia and impotency. I'm telling you, this is the hour. I believe that we are living in an hour where God is shaking all that could be shaken. That God is allowing circumstances to build up in the earth. That it produces a collapse so we will no longer trust man, but we will trust God. We have underestimated who He is, and He's bringing us to the point where He's saying, Are you willing to let me roll away stones? Are you willing to let me now live large in who I am in your life? And on an Easter Sunday... It's not going to be religious ritual for some, but for some there's going to be a reality that's going to come right now. You're going to slip out from where you are and you're going to come up here, right where I am. And we're just going to gather and we're going to pray before we go today. And we're going to begin to declare and put in place some comeback stories. If you'll invite the greatest comeback kid ever into your life, he will cause you to be a comeback kid. The one who was raised from the dead will raise you up out of your devastation and bring you into newness of life you gotta want it and if you want it it's available so father i'm asking right now in these next 60 seconds lord that you would move in people's hearts to just slip out and to say yes to you in jesus name and all the people said if that's you right now some are slipping out even as i'm talking right now you gotta slip out right now Come on, you got to slip out. This is a start. This isn't a finish. You're getting some things started right now. So you won't even be alone. Some have already slipped out. Some have already slipped out. How about you? Your heart's pounding right now. That's, that's the Spirit of God knocking at your heart's door. Saying, don't underestimate me. 
Don't underestimate me. Come on, saints. If, you, if, you're, if you're clear with God, you can just be praying right there. Let's just intercede just for a few moments here. Come on now, right now, people, people are making eternal decisions right now. This is important. For these folk, it's the most important thing, and I admire their courage. But we're waiting for you. God's waiting for you. I'd wait, I'd wait all afternoon if, if I knew it would make a difference. But right now, if you just slip out. Come on, just slip out. I can only take another few seconds. Are you underestimating it? How about you? You need a comeback story. How about you? This is what it's all about. It's what it's all about. Just a few more moments. I don't. Oh, I know. I know. I know there's one. If you would, if you would, if you would be courageous, you would lose about four or five other folk. Come on. Right now. Jesus Help them right now. Help them right now. Come on, obedience. Hallelujah. Oh, I want to wait so bad. I want to wait so bad. All right, folks, I'm going to have to close it up right now. I want to close it up right now.